athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Thank you for joining me on another edition of the program. I am your host, Donald Ware. Praying for all of those affected by Nicole, particularly those in Florida. A late tropical storm or hurricane, really late in the season uh, when you really look at things. And so, again, uh, continuing to pray for those that have been affected by Nicole. want you to sit back and relax for the next 60 minutes because we're going to entertain you. We are going to educate you. You're going to learn something from this program today as we try to do each and every week. Of course, thank you to all of the affiliates around the country that carry the program, whether it's those that are listening to us in Pittsburgh on WGBN, those that listen to us on Sirius XM channels 141, 142, and 84, those that listen to us around the world. Also, thank you for making the program a part of your day. So I look at the college football playoff and listen, I got to go back to last week. I think all of those that, and, and listen, if you thought Tennessee was number one, uh, you know, good for you. I mean, I, I never thought Tennessee should have been the number one team. I mean, it was a huge win against Alabama. No question about it. I think, I think a lot of people were prisoners of the moment. I mean, did you have you seen Georgia play this year? Do you know what Georgia did last year? Do you see the quarterback play and how exponentially better it is this year? And Georgia showed why it is the number one team in the country. All right, put a whooping on Tennessee, right? And and so when I look at the college football playoff for the second week, I mean, you know, Georgia at number one, Ohio State, who has struggled a little bit at number two, Michigan at number three. I mean, to me, I'm going to look at these schedules. When I'm ta- when I'm looking at or comparing the schedules of Tennessee and TCU. So TCU is number four right now in the college football playoff. And listen, we've seen this story before. As a matter of fact, I think we've seen this story going back to, I can't remember the exact year, but it was like the last football playoff TCU won a game I think it was between like TCU or Baylor or one of the teams from the Big 12 won anyway and still ended up getting dropped from the college football playoff so that that is why we do need an expanded college football playoff and it you know I think we may be headed that way but when I look at TCU's schedule okay opening up with a win at Colorado I mean then you play you know a non-FBS team and Tarleton. Tarleton, you know, the win at SMU, 
Then three straight wins over ranked opponents in terms of conference opponents. Against Oklahoma, at Kansas, who has played very well this year, and then against Oklahoma State in double overtime, who at the time was ranked number eight, and then also, excuse me, against number 17, Kansas. So I, Kansas State. So you're talking about four ranked opponents, four conference victories, and then the win uh, over West Virginia after that, and then last week the victory against Texas Tech. I mean, I think, I mean, that's strong. There's no question about that to me, and I I think that's strong. But when I look at Tennessee's record, and, and I get it, right? I mean, Tennessee is, or Tennessee is coming off a loss. It has one loss, whereas TCU has zero losses. But if I look at that schedule, okay, Ball State, okay, fine. Uh, you beat Pittsburgh, who at the time was ranked number 17, okay, beat Akron, beat Florida. I mean, that, that, that's a tough win. I mean, you're talking about now SEC play against a ranked opponent, much like what we saw with TCU and the ranked opponents in conference in terms of the victories that the Horn Frogs had. So that's, I mean, that's a big win against Florida. That's a huge, now it comes up as a huge win. It was a, it was a, it was a solid win against LSU at that time. Now you look at the way LSU is playing in LSU at that time, and this is going back to looking at the date here, October the 8th, when Tennessee, on the road, defeated LSU 40-13, to was ranked number 25 at the time. That win, to me, now looms large. You come back the next week at home, beat Alabama. Okay, that was a huge win because Alabama at that time was ranked number three. Then you have an opponent in UT Martin. Okay, you, you win that game like you're supposed to. The following week, you beat Kentucky. Now, I, I get it, right? But Kentucky's a ranked team in the SEC, right? So to me, when I look at Tennessee's schedule and I looked at ranked conference opponents, Kentucky one, Alabama two, who by the way was ranked really, really high, um, LSU was ranked three, higher than TCU's victory over then number eight, Oklahoma. Okay. Um, the win over LSU was number 25. And then the win over Florida. Okay, yeah, coming off the loss, I think that played a big part into it because you're coming off a loss, and I get it, TCU is ranked. But to me, to me, I think Tennessee should be Number four right now with TCU on the outside looking in. No disrespect to TCU, but I think I think it's just a stronger, to me it's a stronger schedule and more wins. Uh, because right now, I mean, look at it. LSU is ranked number seven, okay, in the college football playoff. Alabama's ranked number nine. Let's go to where Oklahoma, okay, so let me look and see where Oklahoma now. Remember, that was probably the biggest win that TCU had. So I'm going to look through the list. Oklahoma, oh my goodness, Oklahoma isn't even ranked currently, okay? So I don't know. It, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I think, you know, tomato, tomato at this point because we still have much more football left to be played. But I certainly think that uh, Tennessee should be ranked at number four despite the loss to Georgia. I mean, Georgia to me, Georgia is head and shoulders better currently where we sit than anybody else in 
the Bulldogs proved it with the victory over Tennessee in the manner in which the Bulldogs defeated Tennessee. And that defense is tight in the quarterback play is really, really good. So you have sort of that dynamic, okay? Speaking of big, uh, of the college football playoff, when I look at the list, Notre Dame is ranked number 20 right now, okay? So Notre Dame was sort of left for dead, started the season off um, with a loss uh, to Ohio State and then um, ended up ended up losing uh, to Marshall, right? So, that, I mean, that, that's no doubt a big, that's a big loss. So I think everybody sort of left the fighting Irish you know, sort of for dead and probably rightfully so. I mean, that, I mean that that's just, you know, that's just a game you cannot afford to lose um, if you're Notre Dame. You cannot afford to lose to Marshall, and Notre Dame did. But what did Notre Dame ultimately do? Came back, beat California. Uh, came back, destroyed UNC, beat BYU, had a surprising loss to Stanford. And so that was a bit of a surprise but then came back, rebounded with the victory over UNLV, defeated a Syracuse team that was ranked, and then last week, huge victory over Clemson, who was number five in the country at that time, and it wasn't even a close football game. As a matter of fact, I had a chance to sit back. I was at home at that time and was able to watch that football game. That said, Marcus Freeman, in his first season, Oh well, let, let me let me before I even talk about that. So let me let me let me let me let me transition real quick to the Jeff Saturday hire. So Jeff Saturday hired as the uh, Frank Reich fired. Jeff Saturday hired as the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. So um, a lot of eyebrows raised with this hiring. Number one, Jeff Saturday hasn't had any NFL coaching experience. He's been an analyst, but he was obviously a, a, a Pro Bowl center for the Colts going back to the day. Uh, a, a, a lot of also, I think, what was talked about is the lack of minority hires in the National Football League. Like, that's, there's nothing, I mean, we, we've been talking about that for many, many years. For, for me, with this hire, I'm okay with it because I think Jeff Saturday brings something to the table. He He's a cult, right? He's a guy that knows football. He's going to bring a certain mentality that is needed to this Colts franchise. So I'm okay with it. I mean, the minority hiring thing has is over, always going to be there. But for me, I don't look at it from that vantage point. But I tied Jeff Saturday into Marcus Freeman, by the way, he's going to join us today here on the program. I want to talk with Marcus Freeman about being, he's the second black head football coach at Notre Dame, right? What that means to him. And to me, when you want to talk about minority hiring, it, it, part of it is at the FBS level. In other words, you've got to have more black head coaches at the FBS level also for this to work. So I think there's some culpability there at the FBS level uh, when you're talking about head football coaches there as well. Also joining us today on the program, Coastal Carolina 8-1 and on the season, head football coach Jamie Chadwell going to join us on the program. Tuskegee 8-2 on the season in the SIAC championship game against Benedict. Head football coach Reginald Ruffin going to join us today on the program. Don't forget, we preview the HBCU National Game of the Week. 
on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. A big salute to all of the veterans on this Veterans Day weekend as Box Toro rolls on. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. 800-957-2953. That's 800-957-2953. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. With the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware. Let's continue here on the program. We're joined by a gentleman who is in his fifth season as the head football coach at Coastal Carolina. Big win for Coastal Carolina, 35-28 to over App State. Next up is Southern Miss. Jamie Chadwell, the head coach at Coastal Carolina, joins us here on the program. Coach Chadwell, welcome back, and congratulations on the start and the victory over App State. Yeah, thank you very much. It's uh, it's uh, great to be on with you. Yes, the the Chanticleers, uh, eight and one on the season. I want to get your thought, uh, your thoughts first of all on the victory, thirty five to twenty eight over App State. Well, uh, I thought our guys came out and really played a complete game. You know, no, it was thirty five fourteen in the fourth quarter there, and it, and I told our team out of the game, we can't make anything easy. We can't have a comfortable win, uh, and they made they made it thirty five twenty eight, but we were able to run the clock out. But I, you know, I, I thought, uh, you know, three weeks ago we were we were uh, left for dead. You know, after after an embarrassing loss we had, and and our guys have really, uh, you know, refocused and and put some effort into you know us and fixing some things in the last two weeks we played really well and I think that culminated with the that win it's obviously a big rival of ours and 
uh, puts us one step closer to clinching, you know, the East Division is what we're trying to do so we can play in the Sun Belt Championship game. Yeah, that that has become a really big-time rivalry there uh, in the Sun Belt between you and App State. The environment, I, I you know, I didn't see the game, but, I mean, from my understanding is, you know, it was it was just a great environment for college football. Can you speak about that? It was. It was. It was electric all night long. I mean, twenty a sellout for us. Uh, we broke a record, twenty-one thousand. I think five hundred plus somewhere around there. Uh, great game back and forth. You know, the community was involved. The students were involved. I mean, it was. If you weren't a fan and you watched the game, it was exciting. It was entertaining, and it was a great crowd. And there was a lot going on. We had the we had the Harleys out there leading us into an entrance. There's about twenty of them. Sounded like sounded like a Sons of Anarchy episode. And uh, it was uh, it was a it was a special night, and then to get a win, you know what? Uh, can't ask for better than that. No question about that. Uh, I want to get your thoughts. We talk about the Sun Belt, some really big wins by the Sun Belt so far. Uh, this is some really good football being played in the Sun Belt. Just your thoughts on the conference and how it's continuing to grow. Well, I think you know our commissioner and the people that make decisions. I think they hit a you know hit a home run. It wasn't a single, double, or triple. We hit a home run with the additions of our of the teams that we brought in. Uh, one, uh, they they brought in great tradition. Secondly, they brought in really good fan bases. And then now we have a bunch of regional rivalries. And then you saw, uh, you've seen this year. I think that the quality of play we've we've uh, had teams that obviously beat Power Fives. Tulane's in the top twenty-five. One of our uh, Sun Belt teams of their only loss, you know, handled them pretty well at their place. And so I, I think you see the quality of teams that we have. And, and then each and every week, it's a challenging. There's no easy games. And I think that's why you've seen some of our teams that have great success, you know, out of conference. Uh, they maybe have struggled a little bit in conference because the teams are so good. Uh, and it's uh, you want to play, you want to compete, you want to coach in a league like that. Uh, now it stresses you out. I think I've lost most of my hair and it's gray right now. I'm going to start dying it because there's no easy games, but we're, we're putting a product on the field and it's going to continue to get better. And we, we've, we've argued that we feel like from top to bottom, you know, that we were the best G5 team. And I think with the changes that have happened here recently, best G5 conference, excuse me, I think with, the um, with the changes that you've seen in the college landscape, we're no doubt putting our, ourselves where we're the, you know, considered the top G5 conference in, you know, in America. That the voice of Jamie Chadwell, the head football coach at Coastal Carolina, as he joins us here on the program. I, I find that interesting that you, you know, you ta- you said left for dead, and, and obviously that's not that that's an outside a term outside of uh, of, of your building. You were six and zero. Uh, sort of at that time, a loss to o, you know to ODU, who I mean beat Virginia Tech to open the season's a good program. It's a conference game, and that's a tough tough deal. But just speak to that and being able to rebound, uh, sort of from that with two straight victories, including the big one uh, Thursday that was against App State. Yeah, well, you know, in the, we were we were six and zero, but we were there was this outside pressure. We were we were an ugly six and zero and hadn't won, and then we just really. You know, ODU came in here and took it to us. I mean, it wasn't even the uh, final score was 28. They beat us by 28 points. And we just didn't play uh, the type of game that we're capable of playing. Whether you win or lose, we, we expect to play a certain way. There's a standard you compete to. And we didn't do it, you know. And I think everybody thought, oh, that's who they really are outside the building. Uh, and then, you know, as coaches, sometimes you got to use that outside the building, that outside noise to help your team in it. And what happened is we had an open date after that, and we were able to – I think really refocus and stop putting value 
uh, on other teams. We thought, oh, Coastal's good. We'll roll the ball out. We can beat this team, but we'll get ready for an absence. And that game really, you know, taught our young team a lesson because we did have a lot of young guys playing for the first time. And even though now we're nine games in, that's that's a growing process through experience. And we were able to refocus, recalibrate a little bit, uh, and really focus on Coastal. It wasn't necessarily, you know, opponent things that we needed to focus on, like us and our mindset uh, and how we have to win games. We're not the most talented team in this league. We win games by by our execution, by our details, by our, uh, playing for a bigger purpose. And we, I think we lost focus of that, and we were able to get our uh, get while we were playing uh, back to where it needed to be. And I think that's why you've seen the last two weeks us play arguably our best football in all three phases. And we it needed to, and we're going to need to to finish you know finish this journey here as we as you win championships in November, and and we're in a, in a position to do that. And so uh, we got to keep focusing on what we can control. I know your quarterback Grayson McCall is out for a little while, but I mean this young man. It's been unbelievable. I mean, a lot more people need to be talking about him. He's got to have one of the best touchdown-to-interception ratios in the country, 21 touchdowns to only one interception. Speak to what he's meant to this team and how he's been able to grow in, in now three years in the program. Well, he, he he's tremendous. And, and, uh, and I would say this year you look at the statistics there and the 21 touchdowns, he's got a bunch rushing and the, and – and the turnovers, he, you know, he he's very smart with the ball. He doesn't put himself in, in a bad position. Uh, what he's been tremendous this year is we had a very young receiving core. We had five brand new starters at different positions up on the offensive line. We lost our three top running backs, two of them mostly for the season, and so he had to step up in even a bigger leadership role than he had prior to. And not only do that, but also perform at a high level because we needed him to perform at a high level to try to win some games until our guys grew up a little bit. And to me, this has been his best year. It might be statistically, and I know Turner, I don't know completion and all those things, but from a what we needed him to be to to be the glue to keep this young team together while we battled through some just some growing ups, you know, growing up and the different things, the expectations. He's been tremendous. You know, any time that you can be in college and and throw one, I think he's thrown a total of seven, maybe eight. Seven interceptions in three years. I think I threw seven in a scrimmage one time. <laughs> and so, I mean, that it's just, you know, that's he knows that shows you what he's capable of. And when we've needed his best, he's been able to play his best. So, uh, and, and I hope people, you know, in this league, in our, our fans, you know, just realize, like, you don't get guys like that often. Just realize how special it is and, and enjoy it because you don't, you know, you don't get it often. Jamie Chadwell is the head football coach at Coastal Carolina. He joins us here on the program. Coach Chadwell, can you speak to sort of your experience? I mean, I look at this, and, I mean, you know, North Greenville as the head coach, D2, you know, Delta State, Charleston Southern, uh, in the, out of the FCS in the Big South, and now to Coastal uh, Carolina. Can you speak to sort of uh, your journey to now this point at Coastal Carolina, where your team is eight and one and in good position uh, for a uh, for another championship. Well, you know that's that that, that journey is is uh, been a big reason and those levels being at Division Two. I was a Division Two head coach for four years as a Division FCS head coach for four years, and and those experiences there have prepared me for, you know, the opportunity here and what we've been able to build here. Because, you, you know, there you're able to make mistakes, and I made hundreds of them, but nobody cared, right? Because you don't have the outside pressure. You don't have all those different things. And you're able to learn and grow and do things that you believed in and see how they worked. 
and you're able to really establish the foundation of why you want to do what you do. You know, you can have your schemes and different things, and we, you know, our offensive scheme is unique, and it all started back there at North Greenville in 2009. But really the foundation of why you want to have your program, what do you want it to be about, it all started, you know, there, and we've been able to each year you build off of it, but that foundation has, has remained and been rock solid. And um, that has helped, you know, because you, if I, this was my first opportunity and you're making mistakes at such a high-level job, uh, you know, you might not get some of the opportunities that you were given at another place because, you know, there wasn't as much people invested in it. Uh, and I have no doubt that that experience uh, has been tremendous for me. I get knocked all the time because you've never been at Power Five, never never been at Power Five. I'd love to knock people who never been at Division Two. Go try to win there without having any resources and some of those things, and see how you can do it. You know, and uh, but it's I'm thankful for those experiences because I know it's it's helped us and and the people that have been part of our our, our staff and our journey since that time frame. It's helped us uh, be able to build what we're building here. Yeah, love that. Love that response. A couple of more thoughts with Jamie Chadwell, the head football coach at Coastal Carolina. So another opportunity to be at home on Saturday against Southern Miss. Can you speak to some of the challenges that Southern Miss presents? Well, uh, they, they're they tremendous. You know, they had a hiccup last week, just like we sort of get, did against Old Dominion. They just didn't play well. So I, I I take that one sort of out. I know they're the team that went down to Tulane and New Orleans and held them to 17 points and beat them. They, they've played extremely well. They're very good on defense. Uh, I mean, one of the tops in our league. Uh, they've got great players at all positions, and, and so they do a great job there. They're one of their top league, top in our league, top third in our special teams. So they do fantastic. So that tells you they got really good athletes. And then offensively, you know, they've they've got Frank Gore, who's running back, who they do a lot of crazy things with. They got a great receiver, and so and they're coming in to getting bowl eligible. You know, they're playing for their sixth win, which they've not been in the bowl in I think three, four years maybe. And so you know they're hungry. And so the challenge is going to be for us is can can we bring the same intensity versus a team we never played before that's not considered a rival that we did last week. Uh, and if we don't, I know they're bringing their intensity. I know they're going. They want to get that bowl, get the bowl eligibility because that's a huge step in, for their program. Uh, and so it's going to be a it's going to be a great battle. Uh, and we know they're they're very talented. You don't beat a Tulane if you're not talented. So we're going to have to play our best to win. Thankful that we're home. It's our it's we got 22 seniors going through. So it's going to be an important emotional day uh, for that one. And 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 you're playing for uh, they're playing for a bowl eligibility. And we're playing for an East Division championship. You can't ask for something better than that in November. Jamie Chadwell, the head football coach at Coastal Carolina, joining us here on the program. The Chanticleers 8-1 on the season again. A home tilt on Saturday against Southern Miss. Coach Chadwell, we've been able to do this for a couple of years. Really appreciate you doing this. Continued success to you and the Chanticleers. I appreciate you. God bless. That was Coastal Carolina head football coach Jamie Chadwell. Up next here on the program, we're going to be joined by Notre Dame head football coach Marcus Freeman. This is your weekly edition of the Box to Row Blitz. I'm Donald Ware, big game in Orangeburg, South Carolina. First, that's where I'm going to take you to, where South Carolina State was hosting Delaware State with Delaware State having the 7-3 lead with about five and a half minutes remaining in the first half and the Bulldogs with possession. End around to Justin Smith-Brown. Got to get outside at the 50, at the 45, at the 40, at the 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, Put that man's name on his jersey. Hey, Justin hey. Smith-Brown goes 48 yards on the end around. 
And the Bulldogs pull to within 10-7. Now let's move to with about 30 seconds remaining in the first half. Delaware State with possession looking to add more cushion. Handoff. This is Gillis trying to get outside. Makes a man miss. Gets outside. Cuts inside. Touchdown, Gillis. Marquise Gillis from 17 yards. And the Hornets took the 17-7 halftime lead. Let's move now to the third quarter early. South Carolina State with possession and looking to cap off this drive. Shotgun snap, Tyrese, three-step drop, looking long. Tyrese throws it up there. Shaq Davis is out there, catches it. Touchdown, South Carolina State. From 25 yards, and the Bulldogs pull to within 17 to 14. Now, let's move to late in the third quarter. Delaware State driving, again, remember, leading by three. And Wade Ings in the Wildcat for Delaware State. They snap it back to High snap, he flips it up and throws it. It is touchdown, Delaware State. Miles Morales, the recipient, as time expired in the third quarter, the Hornets extended their lead to 24 to 14. South Carolina State would get a field goal in the fourth quarter. We're going to fast forward to inside. 60 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. The Bulldogs putting together a game-tying drive. Tyrese looking, throwing it out there. It is caught. Touchdown, South Carolina State. Bulldogs score with 48 seconds remaining. Jordan Smith pulling it down. The extra point was good, and we were headed to overtime. South Carolina State on its first possession, unable to score. Delaware State gets possession, needing a field goal to win the game. Nathan Wilson from 23 yards out. It's up. It's good. It's good. Game over. Ernest Robinson and Bill Hamilton on the Bulldog Football Radio Network. Delaware State defeats South Carolina State 27-24 in overtime. And for the Bulldogs, looking to defend their HBCU National Championship, that is all but over. Now I'm going to take you to Columbus, Georgia, for a crucial SIAC matchup between Fort Valley State and Albany State, the Fountain City Classic. We're going to move all the way to the fourth quarter with Albany State trailing in the ball game, 24 to 14, and looking to get a little bit closer. Ward play action pass. Sullivan wants to throw it to the end zone. Love it. Touchdown. Albany State, 21-yard pass play. And the Golden Rams trailed 24 to 21 early in the fourth quarter. We're going to move to late in the fourth quarter. Score still 24 to 21. Fort Valley State looking to close the game out. 23-yard line. They give it to Wilson. Wilson bounces outside. The 20, 15, 10, 5, and he's going to walk in the end zone. You know him, my main man, Freddie Fresh Suttles, on the Albany State Sports Radio Network. Emmanuel Wilson, three touchdowns in the game, closed it out for Fort Valley State, who defeated Albany State 31-21. Fort Valley State, still a possibility of the Division II playoffs, while Albany State season is over. They had in excess of 27,000 in Columbus and in Landover, Maryland. Takes the snap. Here comes John Allen busting through the middle. Cousins taking a shot towards the end zone to Jefferson. It pops up into the air. And that is picked off. Danny Johnson. Benjamin St. Juice popped the ball up in the air. And Danny Johnson grabs it in the end zone for a huge turnover. The former HBCU All-American and Southern star, Danny Johnson, with his first interception of his career. But the Commanders fell to the Vikings, 20-17. to That audio courtesy of the Commanders Radio Network, Springbrook High School, Class of 91. 
Pram Weinstein on the call. Box to Row, the radio show, airs weekly on radio stations across the country, as well as Fridays, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central Time, and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. To find a radio station in your area that carries the show, log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. As we continue here on the program, Notre Dame ranked number 20 in the country, coming off a huge win over Clemson, as a matter of fact, on last Saturday. Next up for the Fighting Irish is Navy. In his first season as the head football coach of Notre Dame is Marcus Freeman, who joins us here on the program. Coach Freeman, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. I, I want to start here. Let's just talk about it. Big win. Big win for this program over Clemson, 35-14. to 14. Your thoughts on the victory? Yeah, it was uh, um, obviously uh, it wasn't your normal victory. Uh, you know, our, our, it was a beautiful sight, man, to have the, the fans storm the field. Um, but, but what I'm most pleased about was to see, you know, the execution of all three phases offensively um, to really implement the game plan and execute what we wanted to do and be able to rush for 263 yards versus a team like that and a defense like Clemson has. It was an unbelievable execution, an unbelievable job. You know, defensively to be able to stop that offense and to hold them to 90 yards rushing was, was huge. And in special teams, we were able to block a punt, really win the battle of field position and down a couple punts inside the 10. That's how you, you're able to beat a, a top five team in the country. You have to execute on all three phases. Yeah, and you talk about being able to run the football. You did that effectively. And even though maybe you only passed it 17 times, at the end of the day, it was effective. You need to be able to, you know, pass the football as well. And more importantly, in that department, you didn't turn the football over. Amen. And that's the ability just to control the game. That was something we wanted to do is, is we really wanted to control the tempo and to limit their possessions and to, you know, when you run the ball, the clock's going and, and to really control when we snap the ball. Um, it was a, a really good display of execution by our offense and our offensive coordinator. You're 6-3 and three on the season. I just want to get your th- – of course, Navy on the horizon, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I want to get your thoughts – on the way your team is playing to this point? You know, they're improving, and and that's the constant challenge in that sometimes we let the outcome truly – you know, reflect on are we improving, are we not? And, and sometimes you don't play well on Saturdays, and, um, you know, that doesn't determine the total – Uh, picture of your team and so it's a constant challenge to no matter what the result of the game is to really look at our process how we're preparing how to enhance it and to continue to improve and the same thing that was the same message I said to him after a big win over Clemson is that we can't let this victory define us this can't just be the height of what this football team can be and and we have to continue to improve, and uh, you know it, we have a great leadership group, a great group of leaders, and, and a really good team that um, I think is focused and, and really focused on improving. To your point, it, it really conversely, however, uh, just like Clemson can't be the win that defines you, Marshall could not be the loss that defines you. You've obviously bounced back uh, from that, winning six of seven uh, there, including stints of three. Uh, games in a row twice uh speak to that it, w- after the Marshall game did did you did anything kind of change what was sort of the message after that loss to Marshall 
You know, that was a, a, a truly uh, probably the low moment um, of the season so far because of, you know, we lost to Ohio State the week before in a in it, it was a close enough game that maybe the the perception in, of of the reality of how we played was kind of hidden. Um, you know, you play a, a top two three team in the country, and you know you're leading right a minute or a couple seconds going into the fourth quarter. You're up, you know, and and uh, then the following week you lose to Marshall, and and I had not won a game up to that point, and you know, so I had my own questions for myself, like, what are we doing? What's completely going wrong? And, you know, then you're able to win three games in a row and then you lose a game to Stanford. And I had known that we were improving, you know, but to, to go out and play the way we played against Stanford, we didn't execute. We, we had a lot of self self-inflicted wounds. Um, you know, there were, they played really well that day. And, uh, I knew that was going to be a tough week because then the perception is going to be, hey, how bad is this football team? But I knew we were getting better. Um, and so I just challenged them to, to continue to really rely on your support group, which is this football program. You know, tune out the outside noise, then you go on to win three in a row. Well, it's the same message after you, you beat Clemson, is that you have to continue to tune out that outside noise because praise can be just as bad as criticism. And, you know, the ability for us to focus on improvement to focus on where we're at and how to get to the next level is is really going to be the challenge marcus freeman in his first season as the head football coach at notre dame joins us here on the program how well your defensive guy played it played at ohio state played in the league right defensive coordinator uh, prior to uh, becoming the head football coach at at notre dame how is the defense playing to this point i mean i i look at i look at this like that like that's a dominating to the point that you mentioned it's a dominating performance against clemson you beat a very good syracuse team as well just how well is this defense performing they're doing really well you know and and i challenged them early in the season is that you know they've been playing good all year long but you know when we're, we're struggling offensively a little bit we needed them to play better and you know when you're trying to figure out your identity on offense you went through a quarterback change um you know, we were trying to figure out what our strength was. We needed our defense. In order to beat a Marsh, in order to beat a Stanford, you need your defense to play perfect. And that was a challenge for them. Did we play perfect versus Clemson? No. But did we play extremely well and well enough to beat them? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, they're continuing to, to play at a high level. And uh, Coach Golden, our defense coordinator, has done a great job of continuing to improve. Let me take you back to December third, two 2021. A couple of things. The, the video where you were introduced to the players went viral. I mean, that was absolutely unbelievable, the reception that you got there. And then, of course, your introductory uh, press conference. Tell me what that day meant to you. And, and talk specifically about, you know, that video that went viral where the players were just, I mean, super elated. You know, I think hopefully that video is a reflection of the relationship I have and, and I had and continue to have with these players is that, that's a real authentic moment. It's a moment where they know that their head coach loves them and it has their back. And, and um, I tell them all the time, I'm a teammate. What's that mean is that I'm with you, you know, through this journey, through this battle. Um, any real authentic relationship has ups and downs, you know, and, and sometimes the greatest display of, of love is discipline. And you have to do that to help these young people reach their goals. But you can push young people as far as they trust you. And I hope that video displays a group of guys that trust their leader. And as far as December 3rd and, and that day, it, it's a whirlwind. Um, what a surreal moment to be named head coach of this prestigious university. Um, little did I know 
what it entailed. And and that's what I'm learning here in nine to going on our 10th game into my tenure this season is that, you know what, every day you continue to learn what it takes to lead a program like this and lead a, a group of men, young men and, and older men uh, in terms of your coaching staff, in terms to truly get us to reach our full potential. Every day you got to learn, and uh, um, hopefully I'm still continuing to learn. And let's stick with that, I mean, in terms of the prestige of Notre Dame. I mean, this is, I, I mean, I got to be honest with you, Coach Freeman. Like, this is not something that happens every day. In other words, you know, you've, you've, you've paid some dues at some schools, you know, defensive coordinator, I guess, what, the previous four or five years there at Notre Dame before becoming the head football coach. But it, that generally doesn't happen where you go from being a defensive coordinator or an assistant coach to one of the, a head coach of one of the most prestigious programs. Can you speak to that and what that means to you? You know, one, it, it takes getting the opportunity, right? And, and, you know, without being given the opportunity um, from Jack Swarbrick and, and our athletic director and our president, um, obviously I wouldn't be in this position. But the other part is, as I tell my my children, I tell our players that you never know when that opportunity is going to come. Every day is a job interview. And, and if I did not do a good job here as a defensive coordinator previously, then I would not have been named head coach. And so did I think because I was doing a good job as a defense coordinator, I was going to be the named head coach at Notre Dame? No. But you never know when that interview is going to be. And so every day you have to prepare. Every day you have to work your tail off because somebody's evaluating you. Every day somebody's evaluating you. And when that opportunity comes, you have to be ready for it. And in terms of ready to get the job as as um, I did. And so uh, it's a great learning lesson for me, a reminder for me, and probably a lesson for many other people is that, you know, you don't control the opportunities that, that are presented to you, but you do control if you're ready and you do control if, if you're going to be given um, uh, an opportunity because of what you've done previously. A couple of more thoughts with Marcus Freeman, the head football coach at Notre Dame, who joins us here on the program and, and 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 let me be even more specific that's something that generally doesn't happen not just to coaches as a whole but to black coaches specifically so that said with the prestige and history of this program what does it mean to you to be the second head football coach at uh second black head football coach at Notre Dame well it's a, it's an unbelievable opportunity um I'm humbled and honored to be a head coach at Notre Dame and let alone the second black head coach here. Um, you know, I remind myself that it, I, I am a representation for a lot of our players. I hope that our players can look at me and say, you know what, I can do anything I want. I don't care how I look. Um, we have a lot of black players on our team as well as white, but I hope they all can, can look at me and say, you know what, you don't have to look, look a certain way to become a, a leader or become in a position of leadership or become a head football coach. Um, anybody can do it because I'm no different than them. And as I told them, I was raised like a lot of them. Um, uh, I lived a, a similar life path to, to, to a lot of them. And you know what? I have to remind myself that I'm a representation. i got to do a good job. i got to make sure that um, because of the effort I put in, because of the intentionality of our work, that somebody else that might look like me will get this opportunity. Absolutely well said. Last thought. Uh, speaking of history, big game on Saturday against Navy. The game is in Baltimore. Your thoughts on the midshipmen and some of the challenges that they may present? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously playing a triple option offense is something that you don't do every week in college football. And so it presents its own 
challenges to to defend defensively and uh you know fortunate for me i had a chance to to go against navy for a couple of years uh you know when i was at cincinnati and here last year as the defensive coordinator um and then our defense coordinator has faced triple option teams before and but it's still a different week and uh you know we're able to at least capture the attention of our, our defensive players because you're going against something completely different. But um, every week's a challenge, and every week's a challenge within yourself to get better, but also a challenge in terms of the opponent you play. And so we have to make sure that we don't let this win continue to um, mask the work that we have to do. we got to prepare ourselves off the way we're supposed to, and, and Saturday is about execution. The Fighting Irish, number 20 in the country, 6-3 and three on the season. Big game on Saturday in Baltimore against Navy. Marcus Freeman, the head football coach at Notre Dame, joins us here on the program. Coach Freeman, I really appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Fighting Irish. I can't thank you enough for having me on the show and uh, wish you all the best. Marcus Freeman, the head football coach at Notre Dame, joining us here on the program. I thought he answered the question well because coaches in general, you don't go from being a defensive coordinator, never having head coaching experience to being the head football coach at Notre Dame, let alone being black. And he mentioned representation and wanting to do a good job. Any thoughts? Hit us up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. More on the other side. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Salt Box, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days. All in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now. Call 800-507-3116. 800 That's 800 you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box row. Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. We're going to keep things moving here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman, as a matter of fact, no stranger to the program. I mean, it's his first season as the head football coach at 
Tuskegee, but many, many years as the head football coach at Miles, winning uh, quite a few SIAC championships. And wouldn't you know it, in his first season as the head football coach at Tuskegee, he's got the Golden Tigers in the championship game. Saturday against Benedict, as we're joined by Reginald Ruffin. Coach Ruffin, congratulations to this point and welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, man. Glad to be back. Thank you for having me, man. I thought I wasn't going to ever get back on the show, man. <laughs> hey, look, it seems like every every year, it seemed like every year, every other year, um, you were going to be on the show because your teams were doing well and you were right there. I mean, I want to start here. Uh, your thoughts on where your team is now. You're coming off the 26-23 to 23, uh, victory, big victory. Uh, over <laughs> your former team, Miles, and now getting ready for the SIAC championship. Where's your team right now? Well, you know, uh, from a mentality standpoint, Donald, we don't have to deal with homecoming. Homecoming was wild <laughs> at, at, at Tuskegee last week. You know, over thirty five, over thirty five thousand plus at homecoming, first home game of the year. You know, we did a lot of renovation upgrades uh, to that stadium, new turf, new uh, facility, locker room, player lounge, uh, reception, uh, training room, meeting space, uh, team meeting room. So a lot of upgrades happened, and uh, and that was our first home game because we had to kind of delay uh, a lot of our games uh, this year uh, for us moving uh, our home games. We only had three, but we moved two of them to Montgomery. And then playing Miles College, you know, um, my former team, few coaches that was with me, still on the staff, and majority of players, few players were still there, and uh, and those guys had it out. You know, I knew I was going to get their best shot. They were saving their best for Coach Ruffin, and uh, and then just unfortunately we we had homecoming, and it's hard at HBCU the guys to get focused because they party all week and got so much activity. And I keep telling them homecoming is for the regular students. You guys only homecoming is after the game. Uh, but that that was in one ear, not the other, Donald. So, um, but it's just great, man, to be back, uh, um, getting Tuskegee back um, to the championship game, getting here, and um, you know, for a few down years they had, and get back to where we always been, the winning is HBCU and of all HBCU. So it's a it's a great um, uh, feeling for these guys, man. Resilient group of guys, playing a lot of young guys, um, and uh, we started out zero and two. Um, but unfortunately, um, no one heard that, you know, we had about 16 players rude ineligible uh, two days before we uh, kicked off the season against Fort Valley. And then about seven of them got eligible on our way to uh, Hampton, the second game. We were on the bus in North Carolina. The NCAA called and said we had seven of them to get eligible, but we had to leave them behind because we had already left for Hampton. And, and once uh, we got the rest of those guys remaining the following week, uh, the West Alabama game, everybody was back. And, uh, Donald, we hadn't looked back ever since, brother. No, you haven't. I mean, 0-2, and, and it was it was surprising. How much – Yeah, I, I don't know how you left. You know, I don't know how you left, Miles. I, I, I don't know, but I guess my point is, I mean – was it was it something extra special? I mean, obviously it was for them. They only won one. Uh, uh, the Golden Bears had only won one football game uh, to that point. Was it more satisfying because it was Miles? Well, you know, for me, um, and I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, Tuskegee is a brand. My grandfather graduated from Tuskegee, and um, you know, um, I, I got my first career start as a as a as a coach coordinator there at Tuskegee, and. And uh, my wife, you know, um, God bless her soul, and she wanted our son to be there. You know, when we were there so many years when I was coordinator there. And uh, and when it popped open, I know Coach Slater was kind of 
um, stepping down, and um, it was just a great, great opportunity. You know, when you got a, a great institution academically, nationwide, worldwide, you know, and then a great athletic program, football, the winning tradition, man, that's just kind of a no-brainer. And then you got a great leader, Dr. Mars. Um, I mean, she's unbelievable, man. She's one of the best ones. I've been on, I've been around some of the great women, Dr. French and uh, and uh, Bobby Knight. Um, they have, they have been all great to Reginald Ruffin, but you know, Dr. Morris is he? She's one of those ones on top of that list also, and um, that cares about students, care about their faculty and staff, and uh, man, it was just no brainer when she called and. And that job came open, and I got that call from Dr. Morris and uh, to come back to a place that means so much to me and to get it turned around, you know. Um, uh, man, I'm just so so blessed to get this thing turned back around, and everybody's so happy that because when I came here, I didn't come here to rebuild. Donald, I didn't talk about rebuilding. I didn't talk to the guys about, hey, this is going to take two years or three years, man. I talked about, hey, we're going to we're gonna win this championship in, in our first year. And I just ask you guys to buy in, do the right things, go to class. You know, our motto's always been we educate, we dominate, we graduate, and those guys buy in. I can sleep well at night. You know, they don't give me and cause any any problems. And uh, they've been a very disciplined football team, and we want to keep it that way. And that's what got us here. Uh, they have all bought in, and I got a great staff. You know, you got to have a great staff to build up young men, mold and build young men, and and that's what we've been doing, Donald. Now, the voice of Reginald Ruffin, the head football coach at Tuskegee in his first seasons, got the Golden Tigers in the SIAC championship game on Saturday at Benedict as he joins us here on Box to Row. You, your running back, Tyreen Taylor, was was our HBCU National Player of the Week uh, maybe going back a couple of weeks ago. 6.6 yards uh, per carry. He's got eight touchdowns on the season, averaging almost 100 yards rushing per game. Speak to him and what he's meant to this offense? Well, you know, uh, for a guy that, you know, he, he was banged up last year, didn't play a lot last year, and um, uh, went through spring ball um, this year, and uh, just uh, kind of just just bought in. You know, a lot of guys, when you get a new coach and don't know what to expect, uh, that, that that room, when I say room, that running back room is a great room. You know, guy got a great coach in Coach Thompson, and those guys, uh, Dante, uh, Elton and uh, Torian Taylor, those guys complement each other. They 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 teammates. They great teammates. They 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 selfless. Uh, you know they 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 cheer for each other when the other one's in. They high five, hug each other when one gets subbed. And you know it's never a fight about it. But Torian Taylor, man, you talk about speed. And then you know he gets upset when everybody always call him lightning, and the, and the other guys call thunder. He's like, hey, I just got I squat more than the other guy, coach. So I'm power and speed. So you know. Uh, uh, but you know he, he's quick, he's he's uh, he's strong, uh, and he's fast. And I'm I'm blessed to be coaching a young man who's also a great young man off the field, great leader on this team. And so uh, I'm blessed to have him. He works hard, extremely hard. First one, last one uh, to lead, first one on the field, and uh, he just works extremely hard. And then Bryson Williams, your quarterback, speak about him. Yeah, Bryson, man, you know, uh, it was a struggle at first, you know, with Bryson, man. We didn't know who to have the key, get the keys to that Cadillac, man, and nobody wanted to take that Cadillac and drive. I don't know if it was uh, we had the wrong rims on the car or whatever, but neither one of those quarterbacks was first started wanted to kind of be be, uh, driving, be the guy driving the Cadillac. But, um, but Bryson has really kept coming to his own. He's really matured, doing a great job and reading the coverage and leading us and uh, have stepped up and, 
He's been awesome, man, and that's what you want. That's what you expect for a guy to be that way and um, just uh, doing the things Coach James has asked him to do, uh, lead our offense and not turn the ball over and, you know, and just keep and sustain and, and, and help us drive and score points. And so he's done that. Um, you know, we have to protect him better. Uh, we get a few more sacks this past week, but we have to protect him better. But for the most part, Bryson, is, he's a tough individual, tough young man, uh, very smart academically, three-point – uh, sixth grade point average, man, engineer major. So, you know, we we very uh, uh, blessed to have him in this program. Reginald Ruffin, the head football coach at Tuskegee, again, has the Golden Tigers in the SIAC championship game. He joins us here on the program. What, what kind of concerns do you have about Benedict? You know, I, I thought one – and stats can be misleading, so that's why I want to ask you about this. I want to know about your overall defense, the concerns you maybe have for Fort Valley State, because I was noticing in some of the games you were giving up, I I forget what game it was, but you gave up like, I don't know, quite a few yards rushing, but maybe what are some of the concerns you have there and then about Fort Valley State as well? Well, you know, for us, man, we we started seven freshmen, you know, and that's from, you know, having guys ruling eligible and starting starting a lot of young guys on defense. So that's some trial and error. You know, when you didn't go through spring or have an opportunity to go, we we only had six practice this past spring. Uh, the weather got us, and uh, you know, and then you know, I, I, I also adverse uh, situation with our field. We did not have a game field uh, because we were uh, upgrading to turf, and that field uh, they started in July, and it wasn't ready until three weeks before homecoming. So we actually, and our practice field is only sixty-five yards, and so we didn't have an NCAA regulated practice field. So that's tough tough on us and uh, and we was blessed to have Auburn University give us an opportunity to come uh, to scrimmage and use their facilities uh, to give us some uh, 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 give us an opportunity to have some uh, NCAA regulated uh, scrimmages and, and practices uh, at Auburn University at their field so we're blessed for that partnership but for me man you know listen Benedict you know they undefeated uh, Coach Bear has done a great job you know 10-0 uh, they've done a great job ranked number one in, in Super Region 2 uh, in the top um, team, and um, they are clicking on all cylinder offense, defense, and special team. And so that's always a big concern for me and what they have done. They score a lot of points. They can score at will at bay. Uh, they're great on defense. And, you know, uh, you know, for us, man, it's just uh, we got to protect the ball. For us to have a chance, we got to protect the ball. We got to hold our gaps and, and, and play sound defense and, uh, and not make the freshman mistake and uh, give them opportunity to capitalize on on that freshman mistake, we can't we can't be freshmen now. We don't play in too many ball games, so we got to do a great job of, uh, of of knowing where we're supposed to go. The defense that's called, and not having mental bus or assignment bus, alignment bus, but do the things that that we're supposed to be doing from a standpoint of football, and uh, you know, and not give up the big plays and kind of make them earn everything that they get. And you know, if they earn it, then they deserve it. But you know, we got to make them earn it. We can't give up any big plays and. Uh, um, kind of keep, keep the ball in front of us and and, and, can, and contain. we got to stop the run. That's the most important thing you got to do to a team, stop the run, and then we got to contain the quarterback. I think Phoenix has done a great job leading that offense. Reginald Ruffin, again, in his first season as the head football coach at Tuskegee, joins us here on Box to Row, the Golden Tigers in the championship game at Benedict on Saturday. Coach Ruffin, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Golden Tigers. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, man. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Tuskegee head football coach Reginald Ruffin. 
Coastal Carolina head football coach Jamie Chadwell, Notre Dame head football coach Marcus Freeman, all for joining us today here on Box to Row. For more information on the program, great conversations, polls, All-America teams, etc., log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. Box to Row is produced by DW Communications.